When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Zach trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside! Oh. A thunderous dunk! And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Training camp is just two weeks away. We are getting so close to NBA preseason, and the Cleveland Cavaliers have been making moves to round out their roster. Joining me today to discuss that, as well as some interesting reports from Shams about potential rule changes, is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Can't believe camp's almost here. You do forget how short these off-seasons have been. Um as compared to, to normal. And I mean, imagine for people who are, you know, remember when this team is in the finals every year. Uh, could you imagine how short it would be if you are a Suns fan or a Bucks fan right now? Um, pretty wild, uh, pretty exciting. I feel like the Cavs roster is becoming what it's going to be mm-hmm. heading into the year. And I'm feeling pretty good about it for the most part. I'm excited to talk about kind of these fringe moves they're making and kind of where we think this team's going to go. Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. I've been trying to make a habit of holding back on some of my unnecessary fact checks with you because I feel like it kills momentum and it's just unnecessary. But you did say that off seasons have been short when we went through a nine month one last year. <laughs> well, that one doesn't count. I I'm, mean, I'm the very one... okay. I'm oh okay with the shortened off season. Listen, I'm man, what okay I'm saying it. is that's not even a fact check. That's actually BS out of you because. <laughs> The, the break from bubble finals to the season starting last year was super short. And then this one is short. That is two short off seasons in a row, thus proving me factually correct. You know, if the Cavs are as defensive as you next season, they're going to have a real good shot. At the you are unbelievable. 
<laughs> I am excited. You know, I, I'm just in a great mood because the Cavs did something to help pander to me, and that's mm-hmm. bringing in another Canadian. We are now up to two with Fiondo Camigelli and now Kevin Pangos. Pangos signing a two-year deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they dug into some of their mid-level exception to do it, so that uh, is probably a good indicator that, hey, we have some cautious optimism about uh, what he might bring to the table here. Uh, last season, Pangos was first team all Euroleague, fourth in assists per game. Uh, and I tweeted this out, but I, I wanted to share my thought process because when this came down, my first thought was great. Damian Dotson is not going to have to play for the Cavs because I, I couldn't really envision uh, many scenarios where he would be playing with Garland, Sexton, and Rubio kind of eating the bulk of those guard minutes. And, and even guys like Dylan Windler uh, probably being prioritized or Jetty Osman uh, in the depth chart. The only real situation where we really saw him get consistent minutes last year was when that point guard position was decimated. and uh, Or when the in... guard position was decimated or the three was decimated. <laughs> right, right. So bringing in Pangos as a third guard, which I, I think... I, I wouldn't expect him to be part of the regular rotation, just given how much they have invested in Garland, Sexton, and Rubio. But having him as a depth option really made what Dotson brings to the table a little redundant. Because I I, I, I don't want to go too overboard with my love for the Canadian Pangos, but at the same time, I'm pretty confident in saying I think he's probably a better basketball player than Damian Dotson. I would agree, especially for what this team needs. And like, yeah. you know, what I kind of wanted to talk about, and maybe this is a, a, a wider topic for later, but like my biggest concern with the Nance deal was that the team got less iq mm-hmm. Um, Like that's something the team has been short on. So it felt bad to move out someone else that was already, that was, you know, that was one of the better, you know, had better basketball feel on the team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Going in with either Rubio or Pangos being the kind of players that can just like get the team into an offense and play high IQ, smart basketball, it just feels like one of those things that it when you're short on something on a roster or you just have a particularly young roster, those kind of things ha- take on an outsize, outsize influence mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have otherwise, that you might not notice uh, Pangos on a smarter team because it's like, okay, well, they already have enough of that. Um, the Cavs need pro adults <laughs> as much as possible <laughs> if they're trying to be competitive this year, given what their projected starting lineup is looking like. So, I think it's a fun signing. Uh, I won't it's pretend a very to be. Fun a, I won't pretend to be a Kevin Pangos expert, but his his per thirty sixes in the Euro League are really encouraging for like what you want from a team for a team like this. Seventeen and eight on you know on elite three point shooting and pretty solid volume. Seven point three attempts from three per 36 last year. Um, yeah. You know, he he does seem to kind of scratch that itch. Now, they they all of a sudden are st- they're very point guard heavy in terms of players that you kind of expect and want to get minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if Pangos is going to be in the rotation off the rip. My guess is no. Yeah, um, mine as well. Um, but just because of, you know, the, the, the glut of guards that are going to be taking minutes at the one, because, you know, it's not like Sexton won't get any minutes at the one. Right. Uh, well, I, I mean, it's very possible that he doesn't. Like, it's between Garland and Rubio. I, I think you'd want Sexton playing with one of those guys at all times because we talked about it last yeah. season, but he was at his most effective when he can play off ball, both as a playmaker and as a scorer. So I, I think ideally you want him to be there, but the reality of the situation is 
over an 82-game season, guys are going to miss time. You are going to see them probably experiment in those opportunities, maybe in games where the result is kind of out of hand or they have a a big lead. You you might see Kevin Pangos go out there. And frankly, you know when we're going to see him is when people are hurt. (laughs) Because, you know, these are guys who get banged up with, with, you know, knick-knack injuries now and then, and that's where I kind of see it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it, it was fun to get, so much positive reinforcement with the Pango signing because I, I had friends that were Raptors fans reaching out to me. Uh, Blake Murphy from The Athletic. Everyone was really excited because Kevin Pangos is one of those guys from his time in Gonzaga to what he's accomplished in the EuroLeague. He's somebody that has really got people to rally behind him. Uh, he's been a strong locker room presence uh, wherever he's been, which you, you don't know how that's going to translate because a guy being a strong locker room presence in Europe doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to translate to the NBA or that these young players are going to respect him as a veteran when he's really having his NBA rookie season. But at the same time, you kind of would anticipate that once you're going uh, in practice and whatnot, when you have a guy that's a very intelligent player, someone that points things out to you, you earn respect that way. So adding him to the locker room uh, to kind of fulfill those needs is nice. And then on the basketball court, he is a very gifted passer, um, not not a great athlete, not a particularly strong defender. Yeah, I mean, Davion Mitchell literally said he studied Pangos's game to watch someone get a lot out of a limited basketball frame. Yeah, no, absolutely. So he's someone that's going to take care of the ball, that's makes really, really great passes, and, and is just a steadying uh, presence on the roster. Now, my hope for this season is that Ricky Rubio is here for the entirety of the year. I did see some people mention that, hey, well, now that Pangos is here and, and maybe he proves himself, uh, he might be the backup should Rubio be dealt at the deadline, which... I, I guess it's smart to not rule that out as a possibility. Uh, if Pangos plays well enough uh, where you feel comfortable in him being a backup, maybe Rubio someone that you could attach with an asset to, to buy at the deadline and maybe bring in a wing or whatever the case may be. But really, we, we talked about this a lot, and this is one of those areas where I'm pretty close-minded. I, I want adults in the locker room and Ricky Rubio throughout his career has been someone that's been credited for being a great leader. So having those three uh, with Garland, Rubio and Pangos together for the entirety of the season would be something that would make me happy. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this point guard rotation. I was about I to ask think- you, is this the position group you feel the best about? Oh, that is a, uh, you know what? I, I think it is. I, I think it is because even worse, like, quote-unquote, worst case, you do have Colin Sexton, who showed improvement as a passer last season. Uh, you have Isaac Okoro that can maybe play some point. Now we're talking about fourth and fifth string at the position. I feel really good because that was one of the weakest spots of this roster last season. And it's um, it, Which it's is wild, that- by the way, given that your power forward group is Evan Mobley, Laurie Markkinen, and Kevin Love. And Dean Wade and, and Lamar Wade. Stevens. I feel pretty good about those guys too. And I, I guess in in theory, power forward to Jetty Osmond. But I, I, nope. I feel like nope. this is going to be Never the again. year. I feel like this is the year that that's being retired. I don't he think finally we're going to see gets Jetty to Osmond not play. have to play power forward if things go the way we <laughs> wanted them to. And, and if he does, things have gone in so uh, bad. Things have gone so bad in a comically bad <laughs> direction. So I, I think we can lay that one to rest. But yeah, I feel really good about this point guard rotation. And like it's such an important position in today's NBA that I, I think that that's something that's really going to raise the floor for this team. I, I think 
it's going to give them a more steady baseline when you have two veterans and a player who I, I think our listeners know I'm insanely high on in Darius Garland. Yeah, I think the Garland part cannot be understated when you're talking about this position group and like why we're excited about it. But really what I'm excited about more than anything is like the chance of consistently organized play. Like, I mean, it's not a high bar to hit, but the Cavs haven't really hit it the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a high IQ player that, that literally brings the ball up on a play-to-play basis is has not been a luxury that this team could count on. And I think this year they're finally there. Now, yeah. there are, because of the way they've invested, there are holes elsewhere. There's ins- insecurity elsewhere. But at least that position, I feel pretty good that they can absorb a hit or two and still be competent at the point guard position, which was not the case last year. It was Absolutely. Darius or tire fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, you had a very brief period with Dante Exum playing well, and then he got hurt. Uh, Delhi had the concussion issues and, and neck issues that kept him out forever. And then once he came back to the lineup, it was not effective at all. I, I expect Pangos to very comfortably be a better player than Delhi uh, was last season. And I, I, I mean, and- if he's not, then the Cavs have made a mistake. I mean, I think Delhi was not a replacement player last year, and that's no fault of Zoni. He had terrible health problems. Yeah. Um, and he's near the end of his career. I mean, he acknowledged, I mean, there's a reason he went and signed in Australia. You know, he was ready to kind of move move on to the next stage of his career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to be a guard in the NBA when you don't. I mean, he was never a great athlete at the position. And when you, you know, it's funny when I always say this, but when people talk about players who are limited athletically, they always feel like they're going to age gracefully. It's like, yeah. oh, they're not counting on it. It's like, no, they're surviving with, <laughs> with through through sheer force of will. And for them to lose another 10%. Would made it damn near impossible, and I think that's really what late stage Delhi was. He had lost another five percent off that athleticism that he didn't have a lot of margin for error on. So you know, I do think Pango should be a better player than Delhi, and Delhi was supposed to be this team's third point guard last year, and you've mm-hmm. talked about that. You know, his, his ability to organize. I I do think that both backup point guards are even better at organizing the office offense than Dante Exum ever was. It's not really Dante isn't really a pure point guard. He was just kind of a he, yeah. He was a combo guard that happened to play well with Sexton, and those, those that pairing was really effective. And that's another reason why I'm really high on this team. I mean, it's it's funny we we've talked about the way that this offseason is kind of shaken out and and our expectations for next year. But one guy we don't talk about very often is Colin Sexton. And it's funny because that's a guy that's consistently got better every season of his career. (laughs) So you can expect, whether it's even just improvement in the margins, but I I think the situation he's going to be in, playing alongside Rubio or Pankos, having Laurie Markkinen likely out there, probably Evan Mobley, and then one of the wings, whether it be Denzel Valentine, Jetty Osmond, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, uh, having one of those guys out there like that, second like bench lineup is so much better and is such a better position for Sexton that I I think he's really going to play well but we should go from a high IQ player in Kevin Pangos to someone that's been criticized for his decision making and a new member of the Cleveland Cavaliers Denzel Valentine now Carter I want you to start here uh, as a former Chicago resident as somebody who tweeted out your list of kind of replacement wings that you'd like brought in and included Denzel Valentine on that list what are your thoughts on this I am catching a lot of hell for that list I was uh, you know I I I know how Denzel Valentine's career has gone to this point, and mm-hmm. uh, I know it hasn't been great. 
Um, I know that Bulls fans weren't super sad to see him go, and that mm-hmm. certainly was my experience of with all my friends <laughs> from there. Um, he, you know, to be clear, let me first contextualize that list. I was looking for people who I thought would be available for the minimum, mm-hmm. um, and to fill out the back end of a rotation, not necessarily someone who I thought was going to get to start. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it's fine. I, I really think it's fine. I think what you wanted from this signing at this stage was someone who's going to compete with Jetty and Dylan for backup three minutes. Because mm-hmm. uh, the backup two, you can insulate pretty well um, with, you know, with extra Rubio minutes um, and putting sec- all of Sexton's minutes there, as you just mentioned. That can yeah. get you up to the, you know, you can get to 48 a lot easier. Three is a whole different animal because if you want Okoro there at you know thirty three, thirty four minutes a game, you have fourteen minutes. Uh, not much you can count on. Jetty's coming off a career worst year. Dylan yeah. has played healthy basketball for like two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you needed was somebody who could conceivably at least make those guys work, or at least give JB Bickerstaff another option. Yep. Yeah. Um. He's got pretty okay size, six four, six five, um, uh, decent frame. Yeah. Um, could be a decent defender conceptually. Hasn't really been one. Um, mm-hmm. Could be a good shooter. Hasn't really been one though. His his sophomore year, he shot thirty eight percent from three or thirty nine. You know what? He he's another guy that had a strong seventeen eighteen season with Chicago, and then the Jim Boylan era hit. And it yeah, I mean, how much stink did the Jim Boylan era put on these poor prospects, man? Uh, it did not go well. Um, so I think what you're count if you're the if you're a Cavs fan and you're saying what's my upside, it's probably that year two of the Jim Boylan era, which is just under forty percent three point shooting on okay volume, uh, yeah. five boards and three assists uh, in yeah. you know twenty five twenty six minutes a game. I think what you're hoping for is is the same thing you're hoping for in the Laurie acquisition in miniature, which is that you're betting that the Bulls environment was so weird those couple years that it really threw some of those guys into some weird funks and stunted their development and that yeah. you're going to reclaim it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, one of those things is the fact that they never played with a point guard. Like they, they never really had a point guard on the roster. The closest thing is probably Saturansky, um, which yeah, that that's not a great circumstance to be in. Yeah. Valentine, it, it's an interesting case because he's not someone that I'm high on, uh, that I have a lot of confidence in, but I feel better with him being on the roster just because it, it's another guy to compete for those minutes. And let's say we assume Okoro plays 7 to 10 minutes at, at the 2. 24 minutes is kind of what I've had in mind as the backup small forward, or whether that's done by committee uh, or if there's a player that maybe steps up or you trade for someone that that occupies that role. So having Valentine come into this situation, I think you, you hope that the new environment gives him a little more motivation. Uh, he probably was someone that expected to get a little more than a non-guaranteed deal with the Cavs. That didn't come to fruition. And in general, like throughout my time watching uh, sports, and like usually those circumstances have two outcomes. Either the player responds positively to that and starts making better decisions, dedicates themselves to the game in different ways. Or you have something like what happened with Jetty last year, which I think at least 
in some ways was a result of him no longer being in that role he was comfortable with as being the starter and taking questionable shots and and pressing a little more than he needed to. He had some really good games last year, but a lot of the time that was, hey, the guards are out, so we're going to have the ball in your hands and you're playing point, or we need you to start this game, and he would play well in those circumstances. And what the Cavs really need is a role player that's going to step up and play well within that role. So having Valentine, Jetty, Windler, and Lamar Stevens uh, as the, the the four guys really competing for those minutes that those 24 minutes at the backup three position I feel better having more names in there like it, it's yeah. just it's it, more options right yeah and it's, it's options for these guys to ebb and flow over the year you know like I don't think that it, I think it's very unlikely that Dylan Windler, Jetty Osmond or Denzel Valentine are all good for a whole year no um I just think I, I don't think anyone's going much. to I don't think any I don't have a high degree of confidence that anyone is going to seize that role where they are a consistent 22-24 minute per game player. I, I think on a night-to-night basis, you, you might have a feeling out process based on how guys performed in practice, who's going to be that first wing off the bench that, that gets a shot to shine. And, and you know what? That That's not a bad circumstance no. to be in. One thing that I think about with Valentine, if we're trying to figure out a, an argument for why he'll be solid for the Cavs is I do think there is something to be said for like I mean if you look at his low lights it's a lot of pressing <laughs> it's a lot of like ridiculous pull up threes late in games and kind of trying to be a hero no look passes to nobody yeah trying to be a hero and I just wonder if and like I, I know everyone's probably rolling their eyes here but I just wonder if there's some value in going away from the team that took you in the lottery that shouldn't have Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we all can agree he was not a successful investment at the 14th overall pick. No, um, as an older, as a four-year player at Michigan State. So maybe you know, like I almost wonder if he just gets to the Cavs and JB says you're going to take spot-up threes from the corners and some on the wings, and you are going to defend your ass off and you're going to move the ball. Yeah, you know, like what does that look like for him? Is that is that a more reasonable road to success i maybe it's not but you know like the playmaking has never been horrific Mm -hmm. um never been great but it's never been terrible uh you know this isn't the guy that is lacking nba skills he has them it's the way that he chooses to use them right like uh i mean he might not have as many nba skills as you might hope but he's got a lot of conceptual skills that haven't turned into proper skills that's fair, right? I just mean I, I think he's a capable shooter. Like for his career, thirty six percent from three, decent enough volume. Uh, first two seasons were obviously a lot better, and then the last two years he shot about thirty three percent, thirty three and a half percent. Man, you're playing my role as the optimist. Like I, I don't even know if I, I would trust Valentine over Dylan Windler. No, um, I wouldn't. I think he's third. Yeah, and, I, I would say that if I am power ranking my wing backup wing prospects, I think it goes. Oh man, that sucks. <laughs> I, I don't want to play this game anymore. Um, uh, no, you're I, you're in it now. You I'm have in to do it. it. If I had to pick, I would probably go if healthy Dylan, mm-hmm. just because the upside seems to be there still, um, and the conceptual role stuff is there. Then Jetty, then Denzel, pretty far third, but like neither Dylan or Jetty have shown enough to conceivably justify you really putting them in, on a pedestal in camp. Yeah, um, I mean, Jetty and Valentine, 
there's a lot of same same but different but still same going oh, that's on a, with that's them. a that's a good take actually like uh, there's and again a lot like of the let me be clear I'm when not... it comes to decision making shot selection that sort of thing so having both of those guys like i i do think there's a value in that role not being just handed over because in, in a lot of ways like when we went into last season it's, jetty okay, has been well, grandfathered into a role for four years in a row. I- exactly a- and we were wondering if that would be the case to to start last season if whether or not okoro would unseat him right we, we kind of figured you'd give that to the incumbent unless okoro does enough that kind of warrants that selection and his defense was consistent enough that he ended up starting and it kind of threw Jetty off of his game. But now that there's more faces in camp competing for that position, even I'll bring him up again, Lamar Stevens, who has established at least a baseline of what he brings to the table. And I, I, I still With think better it was spacing one... bigs than he had last year. Right. And, and I think, drum. I think that's one of your, your better points is, Bringing in Laurie Marketing made me feel better about the backup small forward position because now I do think you can. Like, I think you can get away with Ricky Rubio, Sexton, Stevens, Laurie Marketing, and Evan Mobley as your es- second unit. Yeah, especially in the minutes where Jarrett isn't out there. So you have either Mobley, who is a theoretical shooter, not a great one, but a solid yeah. one. Um, uh, and, and, and some uh, of that creates spacing in other ways. With yes, the, the way that he draws and then either Markinen or Kevin Love in in the short term. So you know, right. the, the, those are the ideal players for a guy like Lamar Stevens to get in at the three with. Yeah, and, and because nothing is just being handed over to these guys, I I think you increase the likelihood that one of these guys turns into a contributor. Now, as I mentioned on the front end, it's very possible that that environment causes Valentine or Jetty to just jack up more shots and press because they feel like they need to earn a role, which I I mean, that's something that JB Bickerstaff's going to have to deal with. He's going to have to communicate, hey, it's not about how many points you have. It's not about whether or not your shots are going in. It's making the right decisions and, and process over results because that's what a lot of this is going to be next year because we are still counting on a lot of young players that are going to make mistakes it needs to be a process over results mentality because if they stick with the right process the results are going to become a little more and more consistent and hopefully they're able to catch teams off guard by just doing the right things and not beating themselves because i do feel like this is is a team and a group that has beat themselves on multiple occasions while also playing with a talent deficit Yep. And with that said, with all that optimism out of the way, Cavs are probably going to lose games because of this backup three group. Um, You know, like I think that there will be a game or two where those 14 minutes that Isaac sits or if Isaac's having a bad game and you have nowhere else to go, um, that we'll look back and go, yep, that's what happened. It's not um, a grouping that increases the margin for error for no, the other position. No, as much as I feel like that's what Kevin Pangos does for the guard group, they I don't think Denzel really does that uh, in a meaningful way right now, unless he's got something in the tank that he doesn't that he hasn't shown yet. But I just think there is a there's a world in which this works out and everyone's happy. I just think that the chances of that happening isn't super high right now. And I think the Cavs know that. I mean, I, just based on, you know, them being active in the trade market, uh, reportedly at least, um, you know, for, for an extra wing. I think they know they're short a wing. Um, yeah. And it's just a matter of can they survive with their group? I think they can, but there will be nights where they don't. Yeah. 
and Chris Fedor did mention in his reporting after uh, the signing of Valentine that they the Cavs are still likely, in his opinion, uh, to sign at least one more player going into camp. They uh, they have both two way spots available at this point. I, I don't believe anyone. Yeah, you has forget that Lamar got converted, or at least right. I do sometimes. Right. Uh, so Broderick Thomas is going and to be keeping is, spots, some of these and Kevin Gailey is non guaranteed. That's correct. Thank you. So. So neither of those are on two-way uh, positions. So uh, still likely going to bring in one more person. Do you, Would you rather see another wing be brought in, someone that can compete for it, or the sneaky thin position, which is center? Yes, we have a lot of seven-footers on the team, but it's Jared Allen and Kevin Gelly in terms of guys that are actually centers. I, If I were Kobe Altman, I would be calling Isaiah Hartenstein's agent. Offering he he signed a camp deal with the Clippers. Yeah, I uh, is is that? Uh, no, he can't. He can't. I, if he doesn't make it through camp, I'd I'd look into bringing him back. I yeah. think that his market was probably lower than people thought. Uh, certainly that I thought because I thought it was good. Probably probably Cavs. lower than he thought, uh, giving um, up the uh, the qualifying offer and taking a camp deal. So if he does not if he does not make it, well, yeah, I mean, he, I think he can he's give up make the qualifying it. They, they offer. Really... The Cavs didn't extend one. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I uh, or at least for, no, they did not. I, I'm okay. 99% sure. So you know what? It's um, it's been a long off season. It's been a long. Don't don't <laughs> hold this. Don't hold this against us, guys. Point is, uh, I I would rather ride with Hartenstein or someone of his ilk than Kevin Gailey. I just don't know if Kevin Gailey's shown enough to be a backup center that I can trust. I don't think the yeah. Cavs currently plan to play him, but we all know how fluid the Kevin Love situation is reportedly, and mm-hmm. I think that. I would want a little more security at that spot than what they currently have. Um, but with that said, with a two-way spot, oh, baby, I think you can go chase. Uh, is Trayvon Blewett too old now? He might be. I'm not too sure. But, uh, but uh, I thought I think they can look to some of their camp guys who played well for them, or uh, some of their summer league guys who played well for them. Um, Matt Ryan action. Mellow Matt Ryan action. Because, you know, they're the two-way market is very is actually kind of limited. There isn't as much, many bodies out there as you think because you can't just tick anyone. They have to have a certain level of uh, NBA experience, uh, a certain age, all that fun stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd look into those guys. Um, but really, I, I'm thinking about those non-guaranteed deals they have on the team. They already cut one in Dodson. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and really look to see if there aren't, you know, as, as, the, as the smoke clears from camp and – teams with maybe a little bit more depth of talent start making cuts. You know, like a guy like Hartenstein was a good rotation player for the Cavs last year. Yeah, and for that reason, I think he's going to stick with the Clippers because they I do really need I th- I think they'll, center. And I, I think, think they'll be surprised at how good he is. Um, but if he, if, he, if he doesn't, for whatever reason, sure. Let's, let's look into bringing him back. But really, the goal should continue to be to, at least with the two-way spots, in my opinion— is look to keep filling out that wing rotation. You can find bigs, but if you find, find a, another shooter, if find you a find shooter. a shooter that can stick, oh man, you are you are playing with found money. No, I, we are on the same page there. I, I wouldn't mind bringing in another center. Um, the, the how the Kevin Love situation plays out is a big factor in that because I'm I'm perfectly fine with um, Jared Allen and Mobley kind of occupying most of the minutes at center, but you also have to prepare for the reality of maybe one of those guys misses time. Like maybe, yeah. maybe Jared Allen it's misses some up, time. And it's not like a, uh, it's always not always a terrible injury. Sometimes guys just miss games here and there. Yeah. Yeah, I- exactly. So um, more, more depth there uh, would be welcomed or, you know, 
take another swing at a shooter. I'm I'm pretty happy with the way this roster is uh, shaping up, but f- you just got to uh, yeah, make mean, sure that you increase your margin for error as much yeah, as possible. Can I, can I ask you if this is the roster, if this rotate, if this, you know, if this is what we got going into the year, how do you feel? Pretty good. I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. We did, I did the uh, the predictions pod with Ty prior to the the Laurie trade, and I, I do feel better about the upside of this team. I really think it's funny because Laurie is a guy that has put up numbers and has done things, but hasn't really had the impact. But when I think about what he makes easier for guys like Garland and Sexton and Okoro and Mobley and Allen. And the ways they are going to make his life easier, I, I really feel like that is like that's impact. Like I, I think he's really going to make a difference for those guys. And, and while he's not, he hasn't been as impactful as, of a player as Larry has been to this point in his career. Uh, I think that this is a really good situation for him, and I'm, I'm feeling better about it as more time has gone on. Because really, when you're thinking about it, like. If we went into camp with Larry as the backup four, you got consistent questions about the spacing at the power forward position with Mobley and Larry. And Laurie, I, I just think he enables guys that you're more invested in, whether it be Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Mobley, and Allen. Like, I, I think he just works with all those guys. So I'm feeling pretty damn good uh, about where this team is. And uh, my, my optimism about them getting a playing spot continues to grow by the day. I think I just like it because I think that they're in a spot where, like, sure, I guess it would be nice if they could trade for, like, Terrence Ross with a second-round pick or something like that. But If that's but, on the table, please do that. Please, well, sure, please, you know, whatever, please. you know. Or bring, multiple, bring in Jeremy Lamb or Terrence Ross, and I, then then I'm going to be full steam ahead. Or multiple Cavs are getting you know, the play-in. Sure, it'd be nice if they added a wing and, and could do it without, you know, giving up tremendous draft capital that makes it not worth it but with that said this team is kind of becoming what they're gonna be Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they have six seven guys that are really you know you can kind of pencil in uh for their future at this point got a pretty good idea what the identity of this roster is as well yeah so it's either gonna work or it's not gonna work you know and we're gonna get to learn you know like jeremy lamb ain't the difference between this being a good team and a bad team He's, no. He might be the difference between he might be a floor raiser uh, in bench minutes where, you know, you're depending on Jetty right now who just hasn't been good enough. Um, but like I I feel like they have at least put a roster together that I I will be able to evaluate. And that's been such a challenge the last couple of years where it's whether it's injury or people who are just kind of transient trade pieces that are just kind of there because they landed there. Mm hmm. Uh, this is finally becoming like a thing that I can go. So what's the plan, and is it going to work? Yeah, yeah. And at, and, at least, at and least it might not. And, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying is it going to work just this year, though. I do think that this team is going to try to win games. It's mm-hmm. a is this is this whole thing going to work? Because if they come out and it's just a nightmare year again, mm-hmm. well, then maybe they've got some hard decisions next summer. Um, yeah. But I think they're at the point where they can finally start taking in some proper information to make those decisions. Right. And in the areas that it fails, I think that failure is going to be instructive. In the areas that it succeeds, that's going to be instructive. And I, like that, that's one of the reasons I, I really like bringing Laurie, because 
we now have a better sample size of okay what type of bigs work really well with Evan Mobley how how does Darius Garland react to having a guy that's going to run around on the perimeter get open is he going to make those kickout passes are are is Sexton going to recognize those opportunities like that that's all really important things to learn is Sexton right? going to be able to run a double drag with uh with Laurie and and uh, Jarrett or Mobley at the five you know Woo. Woo. Uh, it's going to be fun man because you know what because he because I'll is... tell you what doesn't hasn't run one yet hasn't run it well yet so like is that going to be stuff he's going to be able to do because the pieces are there now you're not How is JB playing? going to use yeah. the pieces now that he has pieces? Right? Yeah, like, like the, that's the other thing. So many things. E- that, everyone that likes to dog. About. Everyone likes to dog the Cavs' offense for being vin- overly vanilla. Well, you got some horses now. Go use them. Yeah. yeah. Um. And if, and if he doesn't use them, then that can inform the way he builds his staff moving forward. You know, like there's so many things that uh, we can learn from this roster. So while I am less bullish than you on their playing chances just that early season schedule is just brutal um i do think we're lear- we're, we're we're finally gonna actually learn i hate uh aimless basketball where it's just like they're just playing out the year with a bunch of people who are not going to be here for a long time for a very long time and it is just yeah it's just different you know it feels different this year yeah I, whether I totally it, whether it goes well or not it feels different yep yeah, I completely agree. And this is one of the things we said in last season, season preview, that by the start of training camp, we needed to have some sort of idea of what type of team they were trying to be. And I, I feel like we have a much, much better idea of that. The last thing I want to hit on before we wrap this thing up is the report from Shams that the NBA Board of Governors will vote this month to approve the coach's challenge being the lone method to review out-of-bounds calls with under two minutes left in the game meaning out-of-bounds plays will no longer be automatically triggered for reviews by officials. Carter, your thoughts on this potential change? I, just, I still hate the out-of-bounds review process <laughs> at, at, at large. I think it is I think it is within the spirit of the game fundamentally flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, until they figure out a way to account for other mistakes made in the in the adjudication process of the play... It, I guess it's nice that there's less, but like, you know, um, my problem has always been if, if I am playing, if I'm guarding you at the end of a game mm-hmm. and I smack the shit out of the back of your hand, fouling you and the ball goes out of bounds off your hand and the mm-hmm. refs don't call the foul and the play gets reviewed, it's my ball. What? Yeah. That doesn't work. You know, it, <laughs> it, it it is a fundamental thing the NBA has still not been able to answer for me yet in this and these out of bounds review plays that are it's going to dog me until it doesn't. You know, like you can get past all the spirit of the of the rule stuff that like you know where it's like I clearly knocked the ball out, but it brushed off like a centimeter of your fingertips. Like while I am like you know I kind of preferred it the old way, even if it was inaccurate. I get the letter of the law being enforced there. But there's an actual problem with the fact that I can foul you, the ball goes out of bounds, but they just didn't call the foul at the time, and now I profit. Like it's just it's just it doesn't align for me. And so I guess anything that leads to less out of bounds reviews makes me happier. I like that you went on a tangent there. <laughs> you, you like you're you're on the money. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I hate. I 
I have mixed emotions here because automatically my persecution complex kicked in. Uh, having rooted for Cleveland and Winnipeg sports, I automatically think, oh, God, well, it's not going to be reviewed. It's just going to go to the big market team and we're going to get screwed in every one of these situations. I do like in in spirit the idea of, okay, we're not going to review every single one of these things. Let's use some common sense and figure out it like... Okay, it seems like it went off that guy. He made a move to knock it out of bounds. Let's just go with the play on the floor. I think it's great that, like, I I think this is one way to remove the frivolous coach's challenge in the second quarter, which I think so many coaches think, okay, well, in the last two minutes, they review everything anyway, so this isn't going to come back to bite me. Now you have to be a little more strategic on when you use those, and you're not going to get a pointless review uh, in the middle of the game. Uh, I The one thing I will add is if they do approve this, if this is the way they go, do not show the replays on TV. You have to just stick with the call on the floor. No, Justin. We can't have the TV network replaying it a million times and then fans are are getting upset. Look at State Media Rowan over here, man. (laughs) I don't care. Keep it moving. TNT is an independent quote-unquote operator. They're going to show the games they want to show the way they want to show. Don't cut in. Now you're in my professional space where I'm like, don't tell me. What replays I'm allowed to show? No, 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 no. If you're going to do common sense. I'm showing them all, baby. And it's like high school basketball where, okay, it seemed like it went off. That's the call on the floor. Play continues. I mean, there's not going to be a real opportunity to show the replay in the same in-depth manner that they have in the past. But I don't want that micromanaged and micro-analyzed on on TV if we're just going with the flow of the game. So I I don't want that if this is the direction that they go. But you know what? I I think... it could be a positive because I, I think it's common sense should be prevailing in a lot of these situations. I'm just a little surprised that this is even being introduced given uh, the push for more legalized gambling in the U S and I, I figured as that happens, we would have more and more reviews and making sure everything is done letter of the law not spirit of the game, anything like that. I thought everything would be micro-analyzed. That assumes Vegas actually cares about the results being fair and not about just making sure they win as much money. I mean, people forget that Vegas is best incentivized to have everyone have equal action on both sides Mm -hmm. because they take 10% off the top and never lose. That's fair. Um, With that said, I mean, I think from an Adam Silver perspective, this is him... This is a little sterny to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh because here's the thing. And I everyone, don't hate that. I don't. Hate no, that. I don't hate it either. I think everyone thinks that they want the fairest outcome. Okay, and what they don't realize is what they want is to be entertained. <laughs> <laughs> like like there's so many little mini commissioners on Twitter, you know, where it's like, Oh, this need, this needs to be just, and we need to have a balanced league. And it's like, guys, you understand that the, the most like successful sports competition in the world is a single elimination tournament with 64 teams. Uh, (laughs) that has, that is the least, you know, we would never, uh, if we were inventing the NCAA tournament from scratch, it would be like a triple round robin into a double elimination tournament and like this crazy contraption to uh, ensure could, fairness. Could, could you imagine? Could you imagine NBA Twitter 
making the rules for the chain gang in the NFL. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So the point is like the idea of choosing, uh, choosing entertainment over competitive integrity. It's not, you wouldn't think that, you know, intellectually you would ever choose entertainment, but then you kind of have to go back and remember, Oh yeah, this is supposed to be fun for, for, you know, for kids and, aunts and uncles that don't really have skin in the game and it's just supposed to be fun and like this is a more fun outcome so to actually answer the question i'm i'm fine with this cut cut reviews out because no one has fun during reviews yeah and and you know what for casual fans that aren't as invested in they're they're invested in a great game not necessarily the result in the same way that you would be if you're a fan it's something that turns off people from the league and and no one will walk away by the feedback you always hear and no one will no one walks away because of bad calls from the refs no one says i'm done watching basketball because they messed up that out of bounds call they're grumpy i mean i i'm a cowboys fan i just watched my team lose because of a bad offensive pass interference call like and and also bad coaching uh, no, mostly bad offensive pass interference and an intentional grounding that didn't go called. Um, but you know, I think that like, you know, like I, I am not, I'm, I'm the definition of a casual football fan. I'm not likely at all to walk away from football, uh, because I'm frustrated about a bad call. If the game became unwatchable, I'm much more likely to walk away. And I think the NBA's end of games were bordering on unwatchable. Yeah. And, and the reality is, do people walk away from six minutes of reviews feeling happy ever do they feel happy with the call that was made no not everyone feels like most of the time people are still upset they're they're upset that it's either violating the spirit of the game or it's a 50 50 call that they disagree with and there's so much of that in the nba because it's one of the most difficult games Mm -hmm. to officiate like i'm I'm fine with this i i'm not out on review in in the aggregate but there are it needs to be very selectively uh utilized to keep you know the point which is the entertainment which is, which is why it's good that the coaches challenge will still be there that should be something that is only really reserved for emergency situations you don't have to use that every single game um but i'm i'm here for this i i think this could be a positive uh addition to the league and it's something that it, the more I sit with, the, the better I feel about it. The other thing that Shams mentioned is the, the discussion of an in-season tournament with $1 million per player in prize money should the team win. Uh, I don't think we really need to rehash a lot of our thoughts on an in-season tournament. We've discussed it before. I don't really see the appeal in it if that's what you're playing for I, I think there needs to be something tangible that fans would actually care about uh if you're going to have people invest in an in-season tournament whether that be a new draft pick that is right after the lottery so the uh the 15th pick is on the table and the first round is now 31 picks long um maybe that would be something that w- would get people invested uh i i think prize money for the players is a, a nice thing, but I, I don't know how much it actually moves the needle in terms of fan interest. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I think that that's just, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, I really do. I think that that they are, I feel like this, this commissioner group is kind of moving back in the direction that I like, you know, after a couple mm-hmm. years of choices that I didn't love. Um, and uh and i feel like they're starting to correct a little bit and you know like that is the thing we were really hard on 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 silver for a while yeah. um 
And it's like, you almost forget, like, he's still pretty new to this job. This takes a minute to get good at, you know? Um, and I still think he has the best interest. I think he just was listening to the wrong people for a minute. I, I think there was too much listening to Twitter, which honestly, like, that's even something that I'm becoming more aware of. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to not have the segments on this podcast where I'm like, well, I saw this that uh, some person with 400 followers said made this comment and I need to talk about this. No, like there, there's so much stuff that's said on there. No, nobody's really happy on there. I'm not happy on there. No, no one knows what they want. Tr- just make decisions that are in the best interest in the game and that serve the product, serve trying to make everything entertaining. And I, I think um, this out of bounds thing, this, uh, this last two minute change could be something that that's a positive step in that direction. And by the way, I'm excited for the midseason tournament. I don't care what anyone says. Hey, more things for the Cavs to win, baby. More oh, yeah, brother. things for the Cavs to win. Right as this group starts to click, they start to come together. Right as we establish this young core, oh, a, little tournament, wow. a little tournament we can win on a stepping stone on the route to becoming a contender once again. We're we are on the path, Carter. We are on the path back to being a good team i i feel very strongly about this uh whether it happens this season or, or in the near future stepping stones baby that that's that's the name of the game here's hoping man here's hoping i'm excited to see if it's if it's gonna work or not look man this is it's mid-september this is the time for optimism this is the time where i shine because i'm a crazy person and hopefully our listeners are enjoying some of the insanity as well uh we will be gearing up for training camp and preseason coverage i can't wait for it i can't man preseason's just around the corner start of october we're going to be seeing some games cannot wait uh if you guys want to support the podcast the best way to do so is by leaving a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of the chase down's exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of that review to chase at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go catch